Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the chaos of that first Good Friday had by now really ramped up. You had the arrest warrant that was served in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then you had the chaos of the kangaroo court with the predetermined verdict of guilty. And now it was Pilate's turn. You see, they, they needed Pilate. They needed the Roman governor to do what they could not do. They needed him to get rid of this Jesus issue who was a huge threat to their popularity and to their place in society. As we get into our text tonight, the initial complaint has already been read. Pilate has already listened as the charges have been brought against him. He's already sent him to Herod to try to pawn him off on them. And now Jesus was back and Pilate was spineless. He knew Jesus was innocent. He knew that he had done nothing wrong at all, and yet he was scared of those who were actually under his rule. So Pilate desperately needed an out. And then it dawned on him. There was one name that could serve as his out. There is one name that could get him out of this Jesus issue, and that one name was Barabbas. That's what we find in Matthew chapter 27, and it's an action-packed chapter of the Bible. If you have a chance tonight, I'd really encourage you all just to read through it. It includes a lot of big stuff in Scripture. It is Judas committing suicide. It is Jesus having the verdict of guilty put on him. It is the the torture that he underwent in the praetorium. It is the handing down, not only of the death sentence, but the carrying out of the death sentence. And then it's a dead Savior taken down off the cross and buried. Our text for tonight, which is just a snippet of that, plays a part in this whole picture showing us what it took to save us from our sins. Listen to our text from Matthew chapter 27. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to them. I tell my high schoolers this all the time, and I've taught high school religion classes for 15 years of my ministry. I say to them, if you learn nothing else tonight, you have to learn this. And that's usually the time where they pay attention for seven seconds, and they write down what I told them, and hopefully they walk out of the classroom with that. If we learn Nothing else tonight during our time together, it needs to be this, that the guilty are pardoned only because the
the sinless is sent to die. It's an important lesson that all of us learn. And to be honest, it's a lesson that both Pontius Pilate and Barabbas teach us. Pilate was out of his bag of tricks. He didn't know what to do. He had tried everything to get out of this Jesus situation, but nothing had worked. And then it dawned on him that in speaking with Jesus and in looking at the customs, that it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. Oh, Barabbas fit perfectly there. You have to understand a little bit of who he was. He was an insurrectionist. He was loathed by his own people. In the middle of a riot, he had killed somebody and was now de facto on death row. So Pilate had it perfect. He would take this hated, hardened criminal and he would put him up against the sinless son of God. And the reason that we're told that he did it Because when faced with a choice, Pilate knew that it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to them. In his mind, Pilate had it work out this way. That here's Jesus, who really had done nothing at all, and here's a hardened criminal who everybody hated. Well, they had to pick Jesus, didn't they? And even if the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin didn't pick him, the massive crowd that had assembled certainly wouldn't hate Jesus as much as they did. Oh, how wrong he was. So we have two people tonight. We have guilty Barabbas and we have innocent Jesus. Can I ask you a really hard question then? Which one do you more identify with? That's not easy for me to ask you tonight on a beautiful Wednesday evening in the middle of Lent because I don't know barely any of you. But writing this sermon, I had to ask myself that as well. I had to ask myself who I identify with more, the sinless Son of God standing here, guilty of nothing, or the one who had done it and said it and thought it all. That's a tough question to ask, and it's a humbling one to answer. And why? Because we're sinners. We know we failed our God. We have... The, the Apostle Paul, who wrote in the middle of his letter to the Romans, a passion point of view that applies to all of us. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. I think that's why Lent is so humbling for me. Because we have to come face to face with our sinfulness. 
We have to look at our God and we have to bow our head and say, Lord, I haven't measured up in any way, shape, or form. It's in all the songs that we sing. You couldn't miss it in our opening one, could you? Stricken, smitten, and afflicted, see him dying on the tree. It's in the readings that we hear. It's in the confessions that we make, knowing that we are sinful and deserve punishment. And I believe that's why Barabbas had to think that he had won the lottery. He had gotten caught. He had been in prison. And he was simply waiting to die, knowing full well that he was guilty. And yet here he stood. He stood next to a pathetic figure of a man. Knowing that if the people would just choose him instead, then he would be set free. My dear friends, that's the only way that the guilty receive pardon. I mean, ask yourself, how many times have you said that in your life? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. At 51, I've said it many, many, many times. What amazes me is not my confession of sin, it's how my God answers that confession of sin. And he answers it this way, with a cross. He answers it, I have had mercy on you. I do have mercy on you and I will always have mercy on you because of Jesus' sake. Because of what he's done, because of what he's accomplished, because of what he's won for each and every one of us. And that's what makes that day in Jerusalem so crazy. You wonder if Barabbas just skipped and jumped for joy and ran off because he didn't get what he deserved. The guilty was pardoned only because the sinless was sentenced to die. What happened that day in Pilate's court is amazing enough for us to, to contemplate this evening. Why it all took place is beyond our wildest comprehension. We read already, So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? We already know the answer, don't we? It's in the following verses. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you learn one thing tonight, it's this. The guilty are pardoned only because the innocent is sentenced to death. Pilate had miscalculated everything. He had misread the room. And now when they were screaming for Barabbas, what does he do? He actually goes to the prosecuting attorneys and says to them, well, then what should I do with Jesus? Well, you knew what they were going to say, right? 
They were going to scream as one. They were going to scream as ten. They were going to scream as thousands. Crucify him. Crucify him. What a shocking scene this was. It was a scene in which a crowd, not as many different voices, but as one voice, cried for Jesus to be killed. And so what should have happened that day got put on its head. The guilty is set free. The crowd doesn't cheer for a pound of flesh. But they call for the death of Jesus of Nazareth. The sinless, the almighty, our Savior. But it not only shows the depth of mankind's sinfulness, it shows the depth of our Savior's love for us. It teaches us the truth that the only way that guilt could be paid for was by Jesus himself paying the price, and that's exactly what he did. He didn't scream, he didn't beg, he didn't accuse. He remained silent, doing exactly what needed to be done to pay for our every sin and give us peace and give us forgiveness and give us salvation. Many, many years before this, the prophet Isaiah wrote these words. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. While this was ultimately fulfilled later on that Friday morning as Jesus hung between two criminals on the cross, you see the fulfillment already here. As it was either Jesus or Barabbas. And the crowd demanded the freedom of a convicted killer. They considered Jesus the worst of criminals. The Pharisees demanded that his very name be erased from human history. And on that cross, his father considered him as the worst of sinners whose ailments from every single person of all time had been heaped on him. And what did Jesus do? He endured it all. He endured it because that's what needed to be done to save us from our sins and to call us his own. I know tonight's passion point of view is about Barabbas. But you'll forgive me if I don't want to spend too much time on him. I could care less about that criminal. I could care less about exactly what crime he had done, what type of a person he was, or what type of a childhood that he had. Our focus, our tonight, our focus always remains on Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, because only in Him is our point of view focused on the source of our salvation and our Savior from sin. 
Matthew chapter 27 does not end in a very upbeat way. It ends with the lifeless body of a crucified Savior taken down off of the cross and put into a brand new tomb. Nothing about anything that happened in the chapter that, again, I'd say, read it tonight if you get a chance. None of it causes us to jump up and down for joy and to celebrate, including the name Barabbas that received freedom. But everything that happened in that chapter happened to teach us one truth. The guilty are punished or are pardoned only because the innocent is sentenced to death. My dear friends, <clears throat> that is the essence of salvation by grace alone. That is why we are certain that our home is in heaven. Amen. We bow our heads and pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of what your Son endured on the cross for our every sin. Lord, we have failed you at every pass in every imaginable way. We deserve nothing from you but to be punished for our sins and to be separated from your goodness and mercy. And yet, Lord, you love us. Lord, thank you for your Son. Thank you for your love. Let us never take this love for granted, but let it fill our hearts and fill our words and fill our lives that we might live as children of light in this world of darkness, knowing that we are pardoned because of what your Son endured, knowing that heaven is our home because he suffered the very pains of hell. We pray this, we pray all things in Jesus' name. And join together in praying. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. Forgive me all my sins and graciously keep me this night. Into your hands I commend my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen.